Actually, Jesse said this is appropriate to the service again. <laughs> so I wanted to look first at the quote. This one here was real easy to understand this week. Um, it's by Augustine. He talks about the vine. And he says this, For the relationship of the branches or for the relation of the branches to the vine, is such that they contribute nothing to the vine, but from it derive their own means of life. While that of the vine to the branches is such that it supplies their vital nourishment, and it receives nothing from them. And so they're having Christ abiding in them, and abiding themselves in Christ are in both respects advantageous not to Christ, but to his disciples. For when the branch is cut off, another may spring up from the living root, but that which is cut off cannot live apart from the root. Does somebody want to read this verse, Galatians 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself up for me. So here we see, um, again, Paul is talking about living in Christ and Christ in him. Now again, he's saying that this is something that we can all personalize and internalize for ourselves. Um, the, one of the questions that, that he had in the study guide was, was examine this verse. It says, examine Galatians 2.20. Which two implications present in the verse should we draw from Paul's admission? It's no longer I who live. What does this mean for the Christian life? And the idea of being in union with Christ. You no longer live for yourself. The world would have you, 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 you got to earn a lot of money in order to survive in this world. You got to do this. You got to be very educated. Christ says, if anybody that is in much wisdom, may he become a fool so he can gain wisdom. Yeah. Anybody else? There's one big implication in the first part of that verse. <coughs> it's saying that you have been crucified with Christ. I think that speaks for itself in the fact that you've laid your own will down to be unified with Christ and his Amen. I looked at another verse, or series of verses, 
that are, are very similar to what he's talking about here. Romans 6, 6 through 9. And on being crucified, there is also another implication that, that I think is important. And we see this, I mean, it, it's, inher it's inherent in this verse, but Paul is more explicit in how he presents it in Romans. He says this, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. In other words, our body of sin is dead. That's what being crucified means. You're dead. I died. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. That's the key of being dead in Christ. That's the key of being crucified. It's I am not a slave. Remember, before I became a Christian, I had one choice. I could sin, or I could sin. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was all about. But when Jesus crucified me in Christ, when he imputed his death and his resurrection to me, he imputed his righteousness to me, and he imputed his capability to make a different choice. I no longer have the choice, I can sin, or I can sin. I now have a, another choice, which is I can serve Christ. I am free from being dragged to that one choice. So when it says we are crucified, it means we are dead. It's simple. The second implication when we look at this, and it talks about him living in us. So what does that mean for us? When he sees us, he sees himself. Very true. He no longer sees her. He sees the reflection of himself in us. He sees Jesus when the Father sees me. He sees his righteousness. His righteousness has been placed on me as a covering. Anything else? class here, folks. That, that sin has already been forgiven. That part of sin has already been forgiven. So, though that as Christians, we're not 
supposed to send, we will. Yeah. The other aspect also, he abides in us. He is the power. Remember, we are powerless in ourselves to resist sin. And remember, that's part of this whole idea of abiding in the vine and the vine abiding in us. Where does the vine get its nourishment? As he was saying, from the word, the word becoming a part of us, the word imbuing us, impregnating us with his righteousness, just fully immersing us in that righteousness through his word. And, and that fully infuses us in the ability to walk in newness of life. To walk in a way that has been transformed. To walk in a way that lives out the righteousness and love of Christ to others. So that is the implication of this, his words abiding in us. That is why it is so important for us to be seeking out what his words are in our lives. That's an area I fall down a lot. Um, but we can. But we can truly, through his word and through study of his word and a desire to understand his word, grow and allow his word to nourish us and help us and most importantly empower us to make better choices. But those choices are born of the Holy Spirit giving us the strength to do it. So let's close. Jesse, could you close in prayer? Sure. Father God, we thank you for this time in your word this morning. Father, we thank you for the great reminder <clears throat> of how we've been grafted into you, been grafted into the vine. Father, we know that whatever good that comes out of this life is because you've your spirit dwells inside of us that is producing that fruit, Father. We thank you that we can be a fruitful people because we have been grafted into you. Father, help us to be faithful to that end, that we would bear fruit. Father, I pray for our service today, that it would be a blessing to the people who are here. Father, I pray that we would be a body of believers, a church who is concerned and, and convicted uh, that, uh, that uh, we need to bear fruit and we need to love each other as Christ has loved us. We are brothers and sisters in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.